you're just waking up, nice life you've crafted where you can get up at nine. Pretty cool. Um, I'm in Maybe this. they're working too late, Jack, to support their wife and 40 children. I'm in this. Um, or their husband and 40 children. Because women work, too. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the FBI report is out. They've got one. Actually, women who don't work work crazy hard in a lot of cases. Oh, yeah. The idea that my wife doesn't work is uh, pretty pretty funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. Just getting text from her this morning on Oof. the home front. Yeah, it's just. How did soap operas ever get off the ground? That's got to be after your kids are old enough and they're all off to school, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Because you're not watching soap operas when your kids are at home. That ain't happening. Um, uh, I did in college. Boy, did I like that. They're easy to get sucked into. When oh, I was... We had so much fun doing that. Because, you know, I, I didn't have a class at noon. So we'd, we'd sit there and watch all my children. And then it'd end at like, you know, 56 after the hour and we'd sprint to class. <laughs> this is pre... I mean, we didn't even have VCRs. We had a similar thing with Star Trek for a while. Where it was on at like 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, I had a similar thing Sunday nights at 9. <laughs> but, Sean, you would have enjoyed it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I got into soap operas briefly when I was a kid. I would get... Uh, I got sick. Like once every year, I'd end up in the hospital for a while. And uh, and I'd be in there for a while. I would get into soap operas every single time. And you were how old? God, um, between like six and nine or wow. something like that. Wow. I don't remember. I was pretty young, though. Wow. And uh, She did what? I'd be in a room with an old woman. When will Erica find happiness? Who'd want to watch soap operas? So I'm right. a kid sharing a woman in a room, and then yeah. she's watching uh, Days of Our Lives or whatever. Right. Yeah. And I'd get into it. And then yeah. the next thing you know, I'd be back at school, and I'd be coming home and asking my mom, what happened with, you know, Clint and Erica? That's great. That's hilarious. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're designed to suck you in. So you got this Georgetown professor woman. She's uh, in trouble for something she tweeted. Oh, really? I hadn't heard this one. President of Georgetown University is denouncing an associate professor's wish uh, through a text line. Um, this is not stand up to Georgetown, blah, 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 blah. You know, you know what these well, this is of our standard. I'm not even going to read the words. This woman, Christine Fair, tweeted on Saturday about the, well, I'll just read it, the course of entitled white men uh, supporting Kavanaugh's nomination despite sexual assaults against him. All of them deserve miserable deaths while feminists last. <clears throat> I want to read this correctly because it's so good. <laughs> course of entitled white men. All of them deserve miserable deaths while feminists laugh as they take their last gasps. She tweeted. She's teaching children, you say. She's a college professor. Bonus, we castrate their corpses and feed them to swine. Oh, there's more. Yeah, there's more. Bonus, we castrate their corpses and feed them to swine, yes? Her tweet has since been deleted. Feed them to swine whole, I think. You don't need to... Yeah, I think the swine will do the rest of it, yeah. Um, Be wary of any man with a pig (laughs) farm. What do you think of anybody who's a so-called professor at a major university who not only thinks this, Mm -hmm. but thinks you can tweet it and get away with it? Is willing to put it in writing publicly. That person is so far off track, they shouldn't be teaching anybody anything. So consumed with bitterness and anger and bigotry, you know. And and, and one-sided view of the world that you think you can get away with tweeting that. Jack, I am willing to wager 
But nobody would take the bet. I am willing to wager a significant amount of money that she is a... Do you know what she's a professor of? I might. Uh, I am willing to wager heavily that she's in the social sciences. Or maybe the long shot, the dark horse, is like lit. The humanities. I'll, I'll Google that. Speaking of which, if you missed uh, the segment, I think it was during the 9 o'clock hour yesterday, uh, the, the, uh, this hour, anyway, because some people listen at different times. i got to get out of that habit. Um, uh, da, 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 you the, listen to the whole show or none of it. That's my standard. Wow. This, uh, the, uh, rigorously cons- a- the rigorously constructed scientific project to expose the biases and rigid groupthink in the social sciences. Uh, check out yesterday's uh, podcast, The Fourth Hour. Plus, we're working to get some of the people involved um, and, and they're, they're, they're liberal types too. They just have realized, wow, this is scary and sick. What's happening in our field. Um, and, and the, the, to be an outlier, here's what I'm leading up to. You knew there had to be something, right? <laughs> you lost heart about halfway through, but seriously, uh, to be an outlier on a college campus, you have to be calling for the violent overthrow of the government and the torture of anyone who disagrees this week, right now. That would make you an outlier on a college campus, but it would take that sort of extremism. She is a political scientist and claims that it was an experiment. However, Georgetown must not be buying it because they condemned her disrespectful discourse. She claims it was an experiment? That's what she says. She and Tucker Carlson have been going at it. Um, uh, what sort of experiment to see what sort of reaction that true? I mean, because that's what the scientists I was talking about did. They wrote papers so completely ridiculous to see if they could get them published. And they were. 20 of them, I believe. An experiment, they, they she wrote, insisted. 20 got seven. Seven of them were actually accepted and peer-reviewed or whatever the process is of, of getting passed through. Uh, maybe this was not my most eloquent attempt, she told the Washington Post. Never contradict Post. me, Sean. I was helping. You're not helping. I will certainly concede I was attempting to make people. F- I was attempting to make people feel uncomfortable. This idea that I'm somehow calling for actual violence is preposterous. Well, you you called for violence in a tweet, you see, and people would take it that way. Yeah, the old CFV is uh, it's dangerous. Okay. She claims she set this experiment up for Tucker Carlson, and he proved my experiment. So she thought she would tweet that, and Tucker Carlson or he could react to it. Well, I think lots more than Tucker Carlson reacted to it, including well, that's your, an absurd in, defense, including your boss at the university at Georgetown University. I'm going to set up an experiment where I threaten to rape my neighbor and see if the uh, the local folks react to that. It's a clever ploy. I'm going to I'm going to call for something so abhorrent that any breathing human would object to it to see if they object to it. She says it escalated in a way I hadn't anticipated. Yeah, I'd say. Well, again, I get back to your judgment. Even if it was an attempt to get Fox News hosts to react to it, you're, you're, you show a real lack of judgment of how that was right. going to be received. Well, and though the... Uh Political science is often within the College of Humanities. I, I've lost the bet. <laughs> I admit well, it. The fact that it, it ended up being an experiment of sorts is is interesting. Pretty wacky. Pretty damned wacky. <sighs> Should have given your her- employer a heads up about that. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, hey getting... I know this is probably going to get some blowback, just so you know. It's a clever experiment. 
to see whether I can provoke people by saying something that will obviously provoke them. If, and if she had given her employer a, a heads up, he probably would have said, I'm not sure that's a good idea. We try not doing that? How about we don't do that? My favorite of the fake paper submitted is, of course, human reactions to rape culture and queer performativity in urban dog parks in Portland, Oregon, which the scientists themselves described as our attempt to show that dogs humping each other made some sort of point about human attitudes toward homosexuality, etc. It's a, it's a pretty funny read. So around this time tomorrow, they'll be voting on uh, Kavanaugh, huh? Looking pretty certain that he's going to end up on the court. Is that point. the procedural vote, that's the, the test vote? That's the end cloture vote. Oh. Then they go to the full, he's on the Supreme Court vote on Saturday. The end cloture vote, you hold, so you say, oh, who thinks we ought to vote for this guy? And then everybody who likes him says yes, everybody who doesn't like him says no, so you know whether you're going to win the vote or not. Mm. So that's why they do that. That's one of the reasons. Gotcha. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Carrot or stick approach with Brandon the Breaking News Donkey. We need some brang. We alternate between the carrot and stick approach. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking news. Sometimes we just hit him with the carrot. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we hit him with a carrot. <laughs> eh, putting aside the animal abuse element of that joke, that's very funny. GOP swing votes Senators Flake and Susan Collins of Maine have said that they, what is the specific wording, express satisfaction with the FBI report. Okay, I got two theories. Just two? Neither one of them are uh, very charitable to a lot of people. I think several of these politicians, uh, ours, were always going to vote for him, but they had to really act like they went through this difficult situation really agonized over it to make sure you know they got their credibility for either their own constituents or in flake's case running for president or whatever yeah there's that which is which is phony and despicable and it's the business they're in that is the business they're in also as i put out earlier and this is an incredibly unfair thing to say and i'm not really comfortable saying it since you know they're actually in our listening audience and these are real people i think there's a decent chance that the fbi report you know, as they talked to more people and nailed down the facts, makes Mrs. Ford seem a little wacky. It doesn't mean that it's, something bad didn't happen to her, but her right. story of it being Kavanaugh doesn't hold up. There's just a, a bunch of things that just don't match up, and she's got some problems. Yeah, yeah. Which wouldn't surprise me with that whole needing an extra door, can't fly, can fly. Right. It, it, that that may well be true. Doesn't make her a bad person. No, I'm I'm where I've always been. It's unknown and unknowable. Um, what happened to her and and who did it and the rest of it. Um. Uh, let's see. Susan Collins, one of three, uh, said Thursday that it appears to be a very thorough investigation. But I'm going to going back later to personally review read the interviews. Um, did you say it's 700 pages? Did you make that up? I made that up. Okay. 
I just I was thinking it could be very very long. I mean, depending on the number of people they interviewed and how long the transcripts are. Mm. Uh, let's see. There's nothing in it we didn't know already," said Chuck Grassley. And and these reports are essentially just these are the things that and they then he told, told us. his grandchildren a very long story about steamboats. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean. I, I knew there was a punchline in there somewhere. And it how me, dare you? It took me a minute to get there. You were saying uh, so. These reports that are. That are in there. They're they're essentially these are the the verbatim testimonies that they gave us under oath. They don't right. put any sort of and he seemed he seemed to look around a lot and was a little shifty in this. So we don't right, which I think is interesting. But yeah, apparently they don't do that. Hmm. Michael, if I might play a bit of audio, I don't know what you're staring at there on your screen. I'm guessing it's porn. Wow. But I would like to. I would like That's to bring a guess. That's just gross. <laughs> if I might. And the last thing I'll point out. The next person that refers to an FBI report as being worth anything obviously doesn't understand anything. FBI explicitly does not, in this or any other case, reach a conclusion. Period. Period. So, Judge, there's no reason why you should know this. The reason why we cannot rely on the FBI report, you wouldn't like it if we did. Because it is inconclusive. They say he said, she said, and they said. Period. So when people wave an FBI report before you, understand. They do not. They do not. They do not reach conclusions. I would vote for that man if it were 1996. So, as Joe Biden said there, so the FBI report has got name, um, uh, new Judge Kavanaugh in 1982, and then the quote for them. Right. Uh, They might have something like, and if there are FBI agents listening, and I know there are actually, um, uh, I also think they might say we were unable to corroborate this uh, statement, or the subject said that Joe Jones... Uh, was also there. We contacted Mr. Jones, and he was unable to corroborate that or said he had no memory of being there. It, it will probably have that sort of information. And so is the is why these things kind of carry so much weight, since they don't come to conclusions, is it because there is such a bigger penalty to lying to a FBI agent as opposed well, that, to these no. sworn testimonies? That, no. that, was, that was the argument the Democrats no. were making last week was uh, when the hearings were going on and whenever they were in front of a microphone, they were saying that. So Mm -hmm. if they lied in the sworn testimonies that they supplied to the senators, that's pretty equivalent to the same penalties as lying to an FBI agent? You can be prosecuted for it. Okay. Um, I mean, I would have to look at the statute. I assume it's a similar punishment. But, um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, and they don't actually carry that much weight sean the reports themselves just because they if 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 i were nuts and said you know sean thomas he uh he uh i tell you what he uh he does a lot of dog fighting i mean he's run a dog fighting ring for 15 years number of dogs he's killed and then they go to you and you say, what the hell are you talking about? I love dogs. I would never be engaged in dog fighting. And they took, they talked to everybody you've ever known. And everybody you've ever known said, there's no freaking way he would do that. My words would still be in the FBI report. Quote, Sean ran a dog fighting ring. He killed so many dogs. And anybody could publish that. 
because if it's leaked, because it's in the report. So that's an incredibly dangerous thing. So they make you read it and then determine, well, we got 40 other people who say they've got nothing on it. Right. Yeah, exactly. So my determination is he doesn't run dogfighting rings. Correct. It's so up to each individual ancient senator. So right. once again, we're requiring on the reading comprehension comprehension of sometimes octogenarians. I'd like to know how many of them actually read it. That'd be an interesting one. But they won't tell us that. But No, let me tell you about the births on the Lusitania. <laughs> They're more comfortable than you might imagine. <laughs> uh, it's ageism. That's what that is. <laughs> of the worst sort. Oh, hey, this is good news. I think. I think it's good news. Yeah, it's good news. I've decided it's good news. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a great deal of interest in when great books are made into movies. There are oh clearly exceptions. I, sh- I sure don't. There are absolutely exceptions to that, you know, general thought. But uh, Hillbilly Elegy, the absolutely brilliant book mm. by J.D. Vance about uh, his people, poor white Appalachian types. Um, both so poor, sti- so white. <laughs> so whether still in Appalachia or having uh, migrated to, in his case, uh, Ohio, um, absolutely brilliant book. Um, uh, you know, just read it. Just read it. I could describe it to you at greater length, but it's one of the great books ever written about the way people really are. Um, anyway, uh, it's being made, the rumor, the rather uh, well-substantiated rumor, is be, it's being made uh, into a movie with Ron Howard at the helm. That's a good sign. As he was just spotted in Middletown, Ohio. That's a good sign. Opie himself was there, ooching around. Um. And uh, I hope they stick to the book, and it's not like based on Hillbilly LG, and it's kind of similar, but there's a little extra love story in there, or a hero that wasn't there in the book, yeah. or something. Yeah. Interestingly, JD Vance, who's one of my favorite people, and and we're trying to track him down for the podcast, right? Yeah. Um. He told uh, news he was approached as far back as six months ago by several directors looking to make Hillbilly LG into a movie. I'm a pretty private person, felt uncomfortable about it. He said. It's hard enough for me to write the book, but a movie is a much bigger stage. It's a much larger invasion of privacy. I can see that. He also had issues over relinquishing control over what was a very personal story. You write a book, you have complete control over it, over what goes into it, how you present your family, and then a movie is really someone else's project. You're sort of necessarily trusting a complete stranger to tell a story you think needs to be told. After denying a few relatively famous filmmakers, Vance said he shifted gears and agreed to talk to two of them. That included Ron Howard. Ron was just this incredibly kind and thoughtful guy. Yeah, I would take Ron. I'd put it in Ron's hands more than practically anybody. There's more to that quote. We'll get to it in a few minutes. Movie tradesman. That's right, Clint. <laughs> What's coming up in your How's news? that empty chair bit of yours coming along? <laughs> What's got, coming up, Marshall? We got an update on the undecided in the Kavanaugh vote. National Security Advisor John Bolton blasting Iran. And more workers are ghosting their jobs. Yeah, there's, there's some nuttiness wow. going on with Iran, man. We've got to be on this. And the job thing. We just heard a story, I think, that fits in yesterday. Okay. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So just to fill up, uh, finish up the thought about J.D. Vance and Hillbilly Elegy and uh, it becoming a movie uh, with Ron Howard. Vance said he, he talked to a few directors, and uh, Ron was just this incredibly kind and thoughtful guy. 
But he was also doing something that I was trying to do with the book, which was to tell a story about a group of people who don't get stories told about them very often. And he seemed very interested in approaching the project carefully and thoughtfully and compassionately and really just revealing what he thinks is an important story and obviously I think is an important story, too. Asked if he had the inevitable question, any actors in mind to play him in the movie, Vance laughed. No, no. Same answer all of us would give. Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) You know? Mr. Clean, in my case. I want a big, strapping, 2% body fat, muscular, blonde Joe Getty on the screen. (laughs) Please. So, uh, Sean, as you know, has literally hundreds of dollars invested in the market. He's really gotten into the whole thing, and every day he gives us a one-word market is it, review. Is it hundreds or hundred of dollars? No, literal hundreds of dollars. Wow. Multiple wow. hundreds. Yeah. So I'll back the F up. What's your one-word market review for this morning? Markets are unhappy. Oh, so, <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay. So, invest accordingly. Here's your news with Marsha Phillips. Well, support for Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh appears to be growing among the undecided Senate Republicans. If they were ever undecided. Arizona's Jeff Flake and Maine's Susan Collins said the follow-up FBI investigation appears to have been very thorough. Flake saying there's no additional corroboration of sexual assault allegations in that FBI report. Flake went on to not say that he'd done some quick polling in New Hampshire and Iowa and found out he would not get a single Republican vote if he voted against Kavanaugh uh, for his run in 2020. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, meanwhile, says, okay, it's time now for a vote. The FBI investigation uncovered nothing of substance. McConnell calling some of the allegations patently ridiculous. How did we get from a chorus of expert praise and professional respect to wild tales of violent gangs, sexual assault rings, fistfights on boats in Rhode Island harbors, and the possibility, get this, of an argument in a college bar? <laughs> Senate Democrats... It's a good question. As a columnist in the New York Times points out, that whole ice-chucking thing was, man, that's, that's something to put on the front page with big, uh, with big letters as a headline. Wow. 30-year-old ice-chucking allegations. More than that, 33 or 4? Yeah. Senate Democrats, though, not uh, not happy about the FBI report. California Democrat Dianne Feinstein telling reporters the investigation didn't go far enough. It looks to be a product of an incomplete investigation that was limited, uh, perhaps by the White House. I don't know. Well, we got a vote to end Senate debate on the nomination set for tomorrow. Full Senate vote uh, on the nomination Saturday. So. I, was, I was reminded of... Uh, and then he'll be on the bench next week, and he can start uh, taking away women's reproductive rights as early as Tuesday, I think. That's right. Forced impregnations, just like in that hit TV show. Shotgun and beers right on the bench. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Throwing his empties at the opposing uh, council. <laughs> Slipping things into Sotomayor's tea. Oh, my. Crushing the empty cans with his gavel. <laughs> I was reminded, yes. and I'm scrolling because I, I yeah. can't remember the name. Um, who was the guy who did not get confirmed to the Supreme Court because he smoked a little pot? Yeah, Douglas Ginsburg. That's right. Yeah, Reagan nominated him, but he admitted that he'd smoked a little weed in his youth. So he, they got rid of him. This was in the 60s? Uh, Reagan? No, I was oh, just making 80s. a joke about how long uh, ago that yeah. seems. Uh, 1987. Yeah. Oh, wow. he had smoked marijuana with his students while he was a Harvard Law professor. Yeah, sounds like a great teacher. I see your point. It sounds like something yeah. that came out of many, many, many decades ago. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. 
not during my life. Like, the fact that that right. happened during my lifetime seems insane. One person said, you just can't have a law professor smoking marijuana who expects to be on the Supreme Court. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was breaking Times the change. law. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was flouting the law, Jack. Federal law. How dare you? Right. On another front, National Security Advisor John Bolton says Iran is not dismantling its nuclear program. He was talking with reporters at the White House. Bolton saying Iran continues to threaten international peace and security. Iran is a rogue regime. It has been a threat throughout the Middle East, uh, not only for its nuclear weapons and ballistic missile programs, but it's acted for decades as the central banker of international terrorism. As an example of the Iranian threat, Bolton was praising the French who accused Iran's intelligence ministry of being behind a foil plot to bomb an exiled opposition group near the French capital. Wow. They made a move that risks uh, starting already complicated uh, ties between Paris and Tehran, straining them, rather, and uh, furthering uh, the deterioration of those relations. Bolton saying... They arrested, and other European governments arrested, accredited Iranian diplomats. Accredited Iranian diplomats. Uh, for conspiracy to conduct this uh, uh, attempted assault on the uh, uh, on the rally in Paris. Wow! And uh, I'm not familiar with the vernacular. So that means the people who are supposed to and allowed to be there with diplomatic access to various yeah, th- okay. immunity. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, France taking the lead and yelling at the U.S. to get back in the Iran nuclear deal too. Yep. Um, and doing a lot of trade with Iran and stuff like that. And now they're getting uh, you know a thumb in the eye for their efforts. That's got to piss them off. Two quick thoughts. That I want to get in. Number one, talking about smoking pot, it's against the law, etc. We talked to Mike Rogers in our long-form podcast about a lot of different things. He was uh, the chairman of the House uh, uh, Intelligence Committee for a long time, an FBI guy. And he said some really, really interesting things about the legalization of marijuana and the way Mexico is reacting to that. Right. Really thought-provoking. Oh. You know, maybe we'll play that clip in a yeah. couple of minutes for you. Uh, second thought, I'm looking through the history of Supreme Court nominees who were rejected. All right. Um, and there have been quite a few, some for ethical lapses, some that appeared to be racists. Um, Hoover, Herbert Hoover's nomination of John J. Parker was rejected um, because uh, the American Labor Union opposed him because he favored yellow dog contracts. Hmm. I assume that means like a, a yellow lab in every workplace. Or I don't. Does anybody know what a yellow mm. dog contract is? <laughs> no. A contract between a worker and an employer in which the worker agrees not to remain in or join a union. Right, it's a mm. union plus oh, gotcha. oh, you yeah. can't have a yellow dog contract. That guy's kind of mundane. He was a uh, he was a Nixon nominee. Uh, here's one guy they just decided was too inexperienced. You don't know what you're talking about. Get. <gasps> then you got the pot smoking Ginsburg. <laughs> Bork, who was Borked, right. which be- was a be- crazy coincidence. Because of his beard, he wasn't allowed on. Yeah. That was a terrible beard. Yeah. Hasn't been a coincidence like that since the whole Lou Gehrig's disease. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a quick summary why he was rejected, but it was mostly the beard. On one final note, ending a relationship by disappearing without a word, as you know, is ghosting. And now more and more people are doing the same thing with their jobs. Instead of giving two weeks notice or any notice at all, they are just stopped showing up for work without a text, an email, or a call. And they don't respond when their employers try to reach them. I did that once, and it was great. I did oh, it. I loved it. I did it once, and it haunts me to this day. Really? It's a very low moment in my integrity of wow. my life. That's, let's have you two go at it, then. Yeah, I'm not proud of it at all. So, um, 
the uh, why do you say it was great, Sean? Stand up for your your advocacy yes. for what is clearly clearly a sin. Let me just interject here before he answers. If it were somebody that I hated and had done me wrong, I would do it without any conscience whatsoever. Sounds really satisfying to me. Yeah, and I, the, A new manager came in. I was anti pretty much everything he did since he was there, and then one day during a lunch break, I said, you know what? I'm done. And I just walked out. I didn't finish my shift. About like two weeks later, I got a letter from them and said, hey, you haven't been showing up for your shifts. We're taking that as a sign that you quit. Here's your last check. I was like, oh, look at that. They figured it out. <laughs> and, uh, and I was and on with my life. And to credits. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, wait, so we were talking to a gent yesterday yeah. who was talking about, and I'd heard this before, the incredible shortage of truck drivers right now because the unemployment rate is so low. Um, and, and, you know, trucking is still an incredibly important part of our economy. Right. Uh, and, and guys are literally getting to a drop-off point, seeing that there's a long line, and saying, F it, I'm leaving the load by the roadside and going away. And he's talking about guys getting poached for 20, 30, 40% more money all the time. It's like a bidding wow. war. Now, if you're this a truck driver. This is killing me because it's been a dream of my life to be a truck driver, and it's the golden age of being a truck driver. Right. And here I am saddled with this damn job. <laughs> Wow! Different time in my life, though. I could, I would have jumped all over that. Yeah, yeah got well, out on the open road, listening to music, talking on the CB, wearing a vest. What would your CB nickname have been, <sighs> Mister Clean? <laughs> there there leather, leather vest. Yeah, leather, leather vest. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good look. Got a chaw plaid shirt. Get that one arm way tanner than the other. Yeah, right. always what, on the windowsill. Right. What sort of cap do you suppose you'd wear? Trucker's cap. <laughs> I think I'd go... You're wearing uh, a trucker's cap now. Yes, I'm wearing a trucker's cap now, but I think I'd go full-on not trucker's cap as a trucker. Oh, ironic. Yeah. Beret? I got a... <laughs> a jaunty beret. I got to tell you, back you in the day, well. back in the day, outside of Fontana, where I grew up, there were some truck stops that were rocking on the weekend. Oh, oh, I just I don't doubt it. The lifestyle suits me so well. Oh, just on the yeah. road by yourself. Eating alone in a truck stop sounds great yeah, to nothing, me. Nothing sexier than a truck stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. You meet some nice gals there, oh, Michael. Yes, Sleeping in my truck. And they got God. the showers right there. I would yeah. love that. When Jack and I were first putting the show together many, many years ago, we would meet at this truck stop in Salina, Kansas and eat pie. Oh, yes. While we oh, talked about the show. Pie, drinking coffee oh, all day. I'm, I'm built for being a truck driver. Oh, yeah. Oh, you'd slide right into it. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Boy, is there any job that'd be like that for me? I mean, I'd like to produce music, but that's fancy. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be a pretty good waiter, I think. A little surly. You know, it'd have to be yeah. a, you know, a roadhouse type situation. It'd be a lot of get it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> We all want more water. <laughs> Just keep walking. I'd like some more water. That's interesting. <laughs> really? So do I. <laughs> I say that to my kids, my youngest especially. He'll be sitting on the couch and yell, I'm hungry! That's interesting. It's really interesting that you're hungry. Until he finally catches on. Um, uh, so you wanted some Mike Rogers here. Yeah, I think it's worth playing. Yeah, it's uh, listening back. I've enjoyed the heck out of it. You ought to check out the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Okay, specifically on... Or wherever uh, podcasts are distributed for free, because we're stupid. On what legalizing marijuana did for Mexico and their drug trade. Yeah. Pretty interesting, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. 
yo, yo. Oh, man. We're jammed. We're jammed. A couple of quick things. Number one, breaking news, breaking news. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford's uh, activist attorney has released a list of eight witnesses they demand the FBI talk to. Okay. That's a good move. Uh, yeah, to prolong it and make it look as though the FBI was uh, was uh, negligent. Or if you th- yeah, or if you think you were wrong, to... uh, you didn't talk to him. Why did you talk to him? It's two rough descriptions of people: people who uh, before wouldn't talk to the committee, now say they will, including the polygrapher, and also a handful of people that Christine Blasey Ford said she was sexually assaulted by a guy who's now a federal judge too in recent years. Okay. I'm not sure that you know would convince anybody of anything. Uh, also, we want to get to this, talking about uh, pot being legal, etc. We talked to Mike Rogers, former uh, chairman of the House uh, Committee on Intelligence. Um, we don't have time, Michael? When do we usually... But 30 it'll, seconds. But it'll be so good tomorrow, you see, is the thing. No, no, no! I'm unhappy! Who how, will make me happy? How long will you <laughs> remain unhappy after the show? So you get to your car? At least 45 minutes. I'm angry. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, or, boy. He holds on to things. Yeah. Or, yeah. oh, yeah. I like to oh, milk man. them. I Jeez. like to, you know, I like to stew on them. Uh, go to wherever podcasts are distributed for free because we're stupid and, and listen to the <laughs> Mike Rogers podcast, which has been posted. It's really good. <laughs> don't know why the intelligence shot at yeah. us for I, your yeah. podcast yeah, promotion. With the self-flagellation. <laughs> With the, uh, the beating us up, beating, beating yourself up. Motivates me. Mm. Does it? Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Final thoughts with Here's your host that one. for Final Thoughts, <laughs> Joe Getty. It's just so silly. Let's get a final thought from everybody. Michelangelo, what's your final thought for us? I'm off to the dentist where I do my usual trick. I put false teeth in and I open my mouth and they all fall out the moment the, you know, hygienist... <laughs> Goes to clean my teeth. That's a good one. That is a good one, Michael. Hilarious. Positive Sean. Final thought? As my financial education continues, the gains happen slowly. The losses can happen quickly. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go be donating some plasma later. Marshall Phillips, what is your final thought for the Uh, folks? I got to tell you, this afternoon I'm going to take another dip in the love pool. That's all I'll say for now. Oh, can't wait to hear about that. A dip in the love pool. Is that a really gross euphemism, or are yeah. you just going to... Well, Hopefully there's chlorine in there. Jack, yeah, a lot of it. Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Another blow to my ego having... F- uh, ego, not my ego. Another blow to my ego. <laughs> having, having not received a single Nobel Prize this week. Oh, so they've sorry. They've just released the MacArthur Genius Grants ah, for wait the a year. Minute. 25 geniuses. Yes. Have each oh. been awarded $625,000. Oh. Are we at it? And I we have the list. And I did not get one. There's, oh, a, there's a chemist, there's a painter, there's a violinist, there's a human rights lawyer, there's a preacher, there's a community organizer from oh, San boo. Jose. Boo. Well, once again, I failed. I like a disorganized community. Uh, my final thought is it's funny. Where I live, it doesn't rain for a long time. Then it rained to beat hell yesterday afternoon. I was caught out in the middle of it. During the rainy times, we long for sunshine. During the sunny times, we long for a hoodie and maybe a rainy night. And it's just the way human beings are made. We're never happy? Is that well, what you're saying? Well, no, it's just... We need cycles. We need variety. We need the seasons. Hmm. That's why I think cities that always have roughly the same climate are going against God. <laughs> yes, San Diego, I'm looking at you. <laughs> That's a real blow to my eagle. 
Uh, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. Uh, so many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com uh, to grab the Mike Rogers podcast. We also have clicks, articles. Oh, that great fake science stuff we talked about yesterday. E- even if you didn't hear it, just go to the website and check it out. Those people should get a genius grant. Yes. See you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. All rise. Here comes the judge. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.